Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to City Church. If you're new here, my name is Pastor Kevin, and I'm so happy to have you with us. If you'd like to connect with us and hear, get updates about City Church, you can text the word WAVE, like, like you're waving at me, to 94000, and that'll just get you signed up for uh, some weekly updates that we send out via text message. Well, I'm so glad to be back with you all this week after being away last week, and I'm really thankful to have Anthony on our leadership team. I know I didn't make fun of him sometimes. I say that he doesn't love scripture because sometimes he, you know, complains about me having too many notes that he has to put in, but all that's joking and in good fun because I'm so thankful to have him, and he preached an excellent sermon last week on what unity in the body of Christ look like, looks like, and if you did miss that, I do encourage you to go back to our website at City Church churchdenton.com to take a look at that sermon. Well, today we're going to be diving into a topic that I don't think we hear much in church. It's the topic of lament. And uh, ultimately, I heard that last song that we sing earlier in this week. I was on my way to my, my day job at Metro Relief and just spending some time in worship before I arrived and heard that song called Lament come on my Spotify shuffle playlist. And when I was listening to it, I was overwhelmed by it. I was weeping in my car, driving down the road on 121. I'm like, just don't look over at me. I promise I'm fine. I promise I'm in my right mind because, you know, it's emotional, our worship to the Lord. Our worship should be emotional. Our, our prayers should be emotional. But too often we want to just focus in on trying to look like we have everything put together. And that sometimes includes how we approach the Lord. And so I, I want to start by just defining what lament is. You know, because we can, we can hear that word. We can read it in the Bible. We can hear the book of Lamentations. And we're like, okay, I, I get that this is something that happened. But what does it look like to lament? What does it mean to lament? And I found this quote from Dr. Glenn Packham, who uh, is a pastor at New Life Church in Colorado. And he, he wrote this about lament. He says, in common usage, the word lament and complaint are interchangeable. But in scripture, complaint and lament occur in different contexts and can be distinguished as different concepts. A complaint is an accusation against God that maligns his character. But a lament is an appeal to God based on confidence in his character. And so what I want us to understand is that lament is a form of prayer that ultimately recognizes that God is not afraid of our emotions. Like I've already mentioned, too often we feel like in our prayers, we have to do this with an attempt to sound reverent. I think we're often praying like this, oh God, I'm blessed and highly favored, but you know, I'm struggling just, just a tiny bit. God, if it pleases you, could you maybe think about possibly sort of, you know, if it's not too inconvenient, maybe coming in and, and, and changing my situation just a little bit, if it's in your will. But I doubt that it is. So if you're not too busy, think about helping me, God. But, you know, I know, I know you've got your things and your other things. That's often how we pray. We, we put all of these barriers and excuses to the Lord coming and moving in our situation. And I, I don't know where we learned that. I don't know why we think that's how we're supposed to pray. But ultimately, I think this is to our detriment. See, when we fail to lament, we fail to recognize that God is able to meet us where we're at. That's the beauty of Scripture. That's the, why we have these psalms throughout the Bible is because they are literally the prayer book of Scripture. 
They teach us how to pray to God. And so many of the Psalms have elements of lament in them. You know, one third of them are specifically lament Psalms. And then another one third of those have some sort of laments inside of them. The prayer book of the Bible is full of laments, and so as Christians, we should learn how to lament. We don't need to pray tame prayers. We don't need to pray like we have to just be super reverent and come before Lord. Lord, I know you're, you're up there high and mighty on your throne, and I hate to bother you, but I'm struggling a little bit. That's not what we see throughout Scripture. Throughout Scripture, we see the psalmist coming before God and saying, God, I'm struggling. My enemies are surrounding me. I am pressed. I'm crushed. I'm shaken on all sides. Would you come into this situation? Because I know you are the king that's on the throne. That's what we see throughout Scripture. As I read in the quote, lament isn't complaining. It's not focused on complaining, though it is voicing our, our struggle, our frustration, sometimes our complaint to the Lord. But it doesn't stop at complaint. It moves us to worship. Lament allows us to be our true, authentic selves before the Lord, which is something that he desperately desires. And I think we often fail to, what we often miss is that if we fail to do this, we actually position ourselves to turn towards other things when we feel beat down or alone or afraid or depressed or angry or any other sort of emotions. Because if we feel like we can't take those to the Lord, we're going to look towards other things to provide a satisfaction from those or escape from those things. But when we lament, we ask God into our pain. And what we find is that he's always able and that he's always willing to meet us where we are. He is the God who desires us. He is the God who chases after us. He is the good shepherd who listens to the cries of his sheep when they need him. He doesn't turn away like, oh, Kevin's complaining again. Kevin's struggling again. Let me just turn over here so I can go minister to Chris because Chris got his life a little bit more together. No, the Lord's like, no, I'm going to go talk to Kevin. I'm going to go minister to Kevin. I'm going to go scoop Kevin up and show him my love. This is the goodness of our Father is that he chases after us. He, he sees what we need and provides us with comfort and rest. And I want to be clear that lament isn't just for our own struggles. It's not just for our own feelings. It's also for others. It can be for someone else. It can be for an entire community. It can be over the injustice that we see in the world around us. See, our emotional response to what is happening in our lives and the lives of our friends and the lives of the world around us is fuel to grow in longing for the Lord. These emotions are fuel to grow in longing and worship for the Lord if we'll press into them. Not running away from them or just speaking to ourselves, you know, I'm blessed and highly favored. I'm doing good today. It's okay to lean in to those emotions. It's okay to be honest about what you're feeling. So I want to go and read Psalm 102 this morning. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 17. This is one of those psalms of lament, and if you look in your Bible, it may have the title that this is for those that are looking to lament. This is specifically a psalm to pray when we are feeling overwhelmed and downtrodden and in despair. And so the psalmist says this, 
says, hear my prayer, Lord. Let my cry for help come to you. Do not hide your face from me when I am in distress. Turn your ear to me. When I call, answer me quickly. For my days vanish like smoke. My bones burn like glowing embers. My heart is blighted and withered like grass. I forget to eat my food. In my distress, I groan aloud and am reduced to skin and bones. I am like a desert owl, like an owl among the ruins. I lie awake. I have become like a bird alone on a roof. All day long, my enemies taunt me. Those who rail against me use my name as a curse. For I eat ashes as my food and mingle my drink with tears. Because of your great wrath, for you have taken me up and thrown me aside. My days are like the evening shadow. I wither away like grass. But you, Lord, sit enthroned forever. Your renown endures through all generations. You will arise and have compassion on Zion. For it is time to show favor to her. The appointed time has come, for her stones are dear to your servants. Her very dust moves them to pity. The nations will fear the name of the Lord. All the kings of the earth will revere your glory. For the Lord will rebuild Zion and appear in his glory. He will respond to the prayer of the destitute. He will not despise their plea. This is the word of the Lord. I think we often read psalms like this a little monotonously, you know, without emotion, but that's not the heart of the psalm. I think oftentimes we read this and we're like, hear my prayer, Lord, let my cry for help come to you. Do not hide your face from me when I'm in distress. Turn your ear to me. But it's more like this, hear my prayer, Lord. Do not hide your face from me when I'm in distress. Lord, turn your ear to me. This is how we should read these psalms because it's not a monotonous, monotone prayer. It's not this meager prayer. It's a prayer of boldness. It's a prayer of emotion. It is coming to the Lord and saying, Oh Lord, hear my prayer. I'm, I'm all alone. I'm struggling. I'm pressed down. I'm in this difficult place. Would you incline your ear to me, oh Lord? See, lamenting is supposed to be this act of authenticity supposed to be this way in which we approach God in our brokenness with an expectation that he will answer and comfort us. We're not doing this to complain. We're not doing this to be like, hey, Lord, look how angry I am today. We're doing this to stir up worship in ourselves. Because when we bring this before the Lord, it's a little bit easier to realize that, oh, I know in the past the Lord has answered this for other people. I know through scripture that when people cry out like this, that he's going to answer. And these psalms of lament do that for us. When we go to the Lord and lament, it shows us that he doesn't turn away when we're angry. He doesn't turn away when we're full of emotion. He doesn't turn away when we're going through stuff, but he meets us there and stirs up worship within us. See, it's us being honest with God about how we're feeling. And I want us to, to get this as if, if we think we can't be honest with God about where we're at, then we fail to understand what it truly means to be in relationship with him. If we don't think that we can be honest with this God who knows us, who wants us, who loves us, then we ultimately fail to understand what it means to be in relationship. 
Because a healthy relationship thrives in authenticity. It thrives in authenticity. It's not about veiling yourself. It's not about being something that you're not. It's about authentically being yourself and communicating that to the other person. See, and if we're, we're open with, to the Lord with our emotions, that's when we actually grow closer to Him. We grow closer to Him in our times of despair, in our times of struggle, in our, our times of difficulty, because we know that He will answer us. When we tell Him that we're angry or hurt or alone or overwhelmed, that's exactly when we remember His goodness. It's exactly when we remember his goodness. And don't get me wrong, this is not, I'm not saying that when we remember God's goodness that it automatically takes away all the things that we're struggling with or all the things that we're feeling because I wish that were true, but ultimately it's not the case. What I am saying is that we're able to then process those emotions through his goodness, through his strength, through his love and not our own. It's not about us just carrying all these things on our own. It's casting them to the Lord. See, God uses our brokenness as a road to him. But too often we misunderstand what it looks like to actually take it to him. We still think like, yeah, you know, I know that the psalmist did this. I know that they prayed these things, but, you know, I don't know if I'm supposed to do that. Well, here's just a little side note for us. If God was afraid of emotions, if he didn't like emotions, then we wouldn't have the book of Psalms because he would have smote all of them. Like they would have been dead on the spot, like thunderbolts, lightnings. He's like, how dare you complain to me who sits enthroned in heaven? But that's not what we see. We see him answering and comforting and showing his love and grace over and over and over again through the Psalms. So what I want us to see this morning is that God actually desires for us to come to him with our emotions so that we might find rest in him. We're going to read Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30. This is Jesus speaking and he says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the word of the Lord. See, the word weary here can be translated as those who have grown exhausted because of their burden or grief. It's not just that they're tired, it's that they've grown exhausted because of this burden, because of this grief, because of this pain that's upon them. And one thing I want us to understand is that exhaustion always leads to desperation. Exhaustion is always leading us to desperation, and desperation can either be detrimental to us, or it can be beneficial to us. See, desperation is detrimental when we attempt to solve our hurt or our burdens or our difficulty with things that are fleeting. But on the other hand, desperation is beneficial to us when it pushes us toward the Lord and His great love. We can lean into the desperation that makes us go and search after other things we, that we think are going to provide comfort or that we think are going to provide respite from this difficult situation, or we can allow that desperation to fuel our worship toward the Lord. 
These are our options and we have to be active in this pursuit because if we're not actively looking to fill ourselves with the Lord, then we will coast towards looking towards other things. See, what Jesus is ultimately telling us here is that he wants us to bring these emotions to him. He wants us to bring this to him. And when we bring our emotions to Jesus, he is faithful to remind us through his spirit of how he has never forsaken us and that he is here with us now. This is his promise to us. He says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. I will carry you. I will go before you in my strength and not your own. And the goodness of this is it actually shows us the future hope that we have in and through him. See, in this life, we're always going to have struggles. If you're looking for a message that's going to give you wealth, health, and prosperity, I'm sorry, I don't have it this morning because I'm still looking for it and it hasn't happened in my life. And I've been following Jesus for a little bit of time. And I don't think that I've read anyone throughout history who's just been like, they come to Jesus and everything in their life ultimately starts going well. Like, I've never seen anyone in history, unless, like, they die, like, a day later and, like, they get super happy. But, you know, I don't know if that's going well for them either. So, you know, ultimately, we're going to have struggles. We're going to have difficulties in this life. We're always going to yearn after a future in which all things are made perfect. And that's part of the goodness of lament. It's actually recognizing that things aren't right in this world. And they're not going to be right in this world until Jesus comes back. But the goodness of the gospel is that it reminds us that we will indeed see all these things made right. We will indeed see perfection come. But until then, we lament. Until then, we struggle. Until then, we have difficulty. I want to go to the end of the Bible and read from Revelation 21. Because this is what that fulfillment ultimately looks like. This is John recording in a vision what he's seeing at the end of the age. He says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. 
This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. See, what we have is this hope in Jesus. And I'm going to break this down here in a little bit for us to see this contrast that's here. But we have this great hope that is in Jesus. That there is a day that is coming where there's no more pain, there's no more death, there's no more sickness, there's no more hurt, there's no more struggle, but that there is peace. It's a day in which we will lament no more, a day in which we will see our Savior face to face. A day in which there will be overwhelming joy, overwhelming worship, seeing this God who desperately desires for us to be his children. This is the promise of the gospel that a day is coming where God will dwell with us. Throughout the Old Testament, we see this cry of the Lord's heart of they're doing these things, they're struggling, they're turning away from me, but I'm going to do this and then I will be their God and they will be my people. We see this dozens of times throughout the Old Testament. And what we see here in this final scene is God saying, and I will dwell with them and I am their God and they are my children. And that's the good news of this gospel. But here in the waiting Here now, until that time, we lament. We face immense pain. I don't want to discount any of the pain that we feel either personally or for others. We we still witness injustice around us. And as we experience these things, God's calling us to worship him. To worship him in our pain, to worship him in our difficulty, not to discount it, not to not think about it, but to take it to him. I've said this many times in in my sermons here at City Church, but we live in an already but not yet kingdom. Yes, the kingdom of God is already, it's here and now, but it's also not yet because it's coming. And as Christians, we, we live in this uncomfortable place of being a part of the kingdom of God, yet not being fully removed from the current kingdom of darkness. And that creates difficulty, that creates pain, that creates struggle. But what we do in the waiting is we yearn for the fullness of the coming kingdom, placing our hope that Christ has provided and purchased for us eternal life. And what I want us to see in this this passage is that part of the hope that we have is recognizing that the coming kingdom brings both life for those who are in Christ, but also destruction for those who are not. And this is something that can be difficult for us to think about, but and we may not even like it. We may want to try and push it off to the side, and and we may not even want to like read verse eight in here. We want to like stop at verse seven and be like, okay, you know, this is good God, I can go through verse seven, but verse eight, I don't really want to talk about. But what we actually see is that God's goodness is actually shown in his wrath. God's love is shown in his wrath. I don't think you guys believe me yet, so I'm going to read this quote from Dr. Craig Keener. He's a a New Testament scholar, and on his commentary on Revelation 21, he says this. He says, part of the promise in the Old Testament and Jewish literature was that the righteous who persevered would not have to share the world to come with their oppressors. The reason that we see God's wrath is because it's his final answer to our lament. 
It's his final answer to our pain, to our brokenness, to our difficulty, to our struggle. He's saying, I'm coming. I'm making all, thing new, all things new. I'm taking away all those things that cause pain. I'm taking away all those, pain, all those things that cause difficulty, that cause struggle, that cause grief unending. The final answer to our lament is that there is coming a time when the possibility of lamenting no longer exists. It will no longer exist because God has made all things new. He will destroy the works of unrighteousness and bring perfect peace. And this is not a cruel act as some would suppose or, or posit, but rather it's an expression of his great love because he brings an end to the hurt, to the oppression, to the destruction that exists now, to all the things that cause us to lament. See, a life free of death, a life free of mourning, a life free of crying and pain is available to us. Not here and now, not in this life, not right now, but it is available to us in the life to come. It's available to us. And all we have to do is repent of our former way of life, trust in Christ for salvation, and follow him. When we do this, we, we gain a hope that is unquenchable. We gain a joy that is unending. We gain a love that can never be extinguished. We're going to face trials. We're going to face tribulations. We're going to face pains in our current life. Yeah, we are. But in those moments, what we get to understand is that we can authentically take those things to God. We can come before, them, before him and know that he is faithful to comfort us. Know that he is faithful to lead us in his strength and not our own while we're waiting. I want to wrap up by, by reading Hebrews 4 verses 12 through 16. The author of Hebrews writes this. He says, for the word of God is alive and active. Sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Therefore, since we have such a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been in every way tempted, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. This is the word of the Lord. See, we can approach God authentically. We can approach him authentically and with confidence because of Jesus. Nothing is hidden from him not past abuse that, that we've gone through or feelings of despondence or, or brokenness or, or our aching for our own hurt or the hurts of others or for the injustice that we witness. He sees it all and he is going to make it all right. He's coming back and he will bring justice and will make all things new. 
And what we get to do is we get to look forward to this future hope. But he doesn't just leave us longing after this future hope. He does meet us now. He does provide us comfort now. He does meet us with mercy and grace and pours it out lavishly upon us. I think something that we often forget is that Christ laments during his time on the earth. Throughout Jesus' ministry, he laments during his time on the earth. In John 11, we see him lamenting over the death of his friend Lazarus. Being so moved that he is weeping. The shortest verse in the Bible is there in John 11 where it says, Jesus wept. This is an expression of lament. In Matthew 23, we see him lamenting over the unbelief of Jerusalem, where he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who stone the prophets, how I've longed to gather you up. He laments over a community. He even quotes the lament of Psalm 22 when he cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? As he breathes his last breath on the cross. What I want us to understand this morning is that God is not scared. He's not turned off by our laments, but rather he meets us in them. He meets us in our lament. And so let's approach him boldly with our emotions. Let's approach him boldly with where we're at. Not being afraid to, to, to come to him in authenticity. Not being afraid to show him our hurt or our pain or, or our anger. He is not scared of these emotions. He doesn't look down upon us for having these emotions. Rather, he meets us in those emotions. I think if we'll boldly approach him, we'll see him respond by helping us walk in his strength and not our own. That's his promise. He says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He's a good God who loves his children. He desperately desires for us to come to him, to let him know our difficulty, to let him know our hurt. And he is faithful and just to meet us where we're at and remind us of his goodness, his love, and the future hope that we have through Christ that all things will be made Let's pray together. God, I'm so thankful that you meet us in our time of distress, that you meet us in our difficulty. You meet us when we bring our emotions to you. God, I pray for every one of us gathered here, those listening online or to the podcast later on, that, that you would help us to, to grow in lament that you would show us that it's okay to come to you when we're feeling angry or upset or, or like you're not there. God, I pray that you would help us to lament well. You would help to, to remind us that you will show up in those times of crying out to you, that you will remind us of your goodness and your love. It's in Christ's name that I pray, amen.